a day, 365 days a year. This is the Pack a Day Podcast. Hello, once again, everybody. Welcome to the Pack a Day Podcast, your one stop shop for all things greed and gold. It is over. The NFL draft is complete. The Packers made six picks on day three, and we're going to break down all six of them. My name is Mike Willen. I'm joined by Matt Fralick and Gage Bridgeford. And once again, heavy on the lines, and the Packers seem to have addressed a lot of their needs on day three with some high upside prospects who could, if they pan out, be productive members of this team for a while to come. A lot of good, solid players, I, th- I thought, on day three. Yeah, definitely. I totally agree with you, Mike, and I think Gage feels the same way. A um, little ship surprising address um, linebacker a little bit more heavily or even specifically an inside backer but I think it just kind of tells you where the Packers gauge that position on defense but Gage what was your thoughts on the uh, the six selections and the UDFAs that we'll get into uh, I was a fan of uh, most of them I mm-hmm. I'm always a fan of adding more offensive linemen I think you can never have too many and if you think that that's wrong go watch the NFC championship game and the Super Bowl <laughs> and you'll be proved wrong and then you owe me five dollars um, I, I have no problem adding corner cornerback help. Obviously, we'll talk about that in a bit. And I know you said it's kind of surprising to add a middle linebacker. But for me, looking at the guy they chose, Isaiah McDuffie, who will break down more specifically, is he's a kind of a combo guy. 224, 6'1". He's that athletic, traitsy, coverage guy. Um, like that's, that's what you're hoping to develop him into. So with more thumper guys already in the room, it kind of made sense to grab – an inside linebacker of that type. Obviously, we'll talk about it more in a minute. I liked a lot of what Green Bay did uh, on day three of the draft. I think that they handled day two, days one and two very well, and um, day three was just finished off another solid class. And with the way the rest of the NFC North did, that was important for them to uh, come out with a successful day. For sure. And a couple things before we jump into the players, just a couple quotes uh, from Brian Gutekunst, who's doing his product conference right about now, uh, post-draft. And he talked... They wanted to target cornerbacks and offensive linemen in this draft. That was a key for them. And he wanted to go to linebacker earlier, but the board just didn't fall the way he wanted. He said he did not rule out signing a veteran if one becomes available. So there's options there. But he say, he says it's built for the long haul, but there will be contributors right away this season with a lot of these guys. And I think a lot of these day three guys are going to step in right away as well. And especially, I think that's going to go with our first prospect that we'll talk about. We'll jump right in. And that was with... Pick number 142, round four. That was their compensatory pick for uh, for Brian Bulaga, I'm pretty sure, or Blake Martinez, whichever one. That's Royce Newman, offensive lineman out of Ole Miss. Uh, he's, he's listed on NFL.com as a guard. I have him as a tackle. Uh, he played right tackle his last season at Ole Miss. He was a left guard for two years before then. The team has him listed as both a tackle and a guard. But this this guy is a, a good, solid, all-around player. 6'5", 306, redshirt senior. And dealt with dealt with Ole Miss's team, played in the SEC for for four years. He's a guy who's going to come in and compete right away. And and John Eric Sullivan during the press conference following that pick was really really excited to bring him in, and he was excited for him to work with Adam Stenovich. I like the pick a lot, and I think we talked about this a um, couple weeks ago, just like ways to predict stuff and you know the the trends that are the Green Bay Packers like. Getting a versatile guy is very common for the Packers, especially offensive linemen, the Gutekunst era, and I love that. Um, like you have him, they, he's listed at guard on the RAS. I've seen him at listed at tackle. I don't really care where he lines up. I do like the fact that he could sub in for 
um, you know, anywhere on the line. And that's that's really what's been huge for the Packers to be consistent and keep Aaron Rodgers um, off his back. Additionally, like he, the other trend you'll see throughout this entire draft is just like SEC football players. They're drafting those guys from really high pedigree schools as we tailed off towards the end of the draft. Not so much, but they're getting these high caliber players that are playing in the toughest uh, conference in the um, NCAA. So I'm, I like Royce Newman. Um, I heard a lot of buzz from him. Obviously, that was a name that I didn't really notice until um, he was drafted, went in a little research, but it sounds like the consensus is it was a, it was a smash uh, pick for them. Gage, do you agree? Yeah, I like the Royce, Royce Newman pick. Um, if you guys want to see a highlight of him, go check out uh, Eli Berkowitz on Twitter at uh, Book of Eli. He had one where Royce Newman pushed a man off the screen uh, playing at tackle. He is a strong, versatile offensive lineman. He won't be required to start right away, which is huge. And he can come in and develop with Green Bay. And whether he's a swing tackle, which I know that we were talking about before. We talked about before the draft. We talked about during the draft. We've talked about for months. Green Bay needs to add swing tackle. needs to add depth. That's what Royce Newman gives you. If Josh Myers comes in, who was their second-round pick, who the guys talked about uh, yesterday, if if he starts and then Royce Newman comes in and gives you depth, you are crushing two of your first four picks in this draft with guys that just can come in and they can give you, like you said, Matt, keep Rogers off his back, keep him up and keep him mobile. And that's the way to keep him. And that's the way to keep this team successful and on schedule. So I like the Royce Newman pick. I think that it's a, I, I didn't know as ton about him when they gra- grabbed him. I went and looked at him and I was like, Hey, that's a great pick for me. I was all for it. And like you said, they are getting a lot of sec guys there's there's a lot of good players there. There's a reason that it's the best conference in college football because there's a lot of talented guys that go there. And notably as well, great set of salad on Mr. Newman there. Very, very nice uh, uh, lettuce. He's he's going to fit in quite well in that offensive line room. I was about to bring up the exact same thing. The mullet is back. <laughs> and here's another thing also. like You talked about going through conferences and John Eric Sullivan talked about that as well afternoon pick that they're that they like targeting these big college these bigger colleges like the SEC Big Ten ACC they, they've played the best competition they've played and a lot of them played full seasons this past year as well which is which mm-hmm. is a good thing and of the nine picks they made eight of them are from those three conferences Big Ten ACC SEC they yep. for the first time in who knows how long they didn't go to the Pac-12 they didn't. Do, they didn't touch the Big Twelve. They went basically the Mississippi River and East, and I'm okay with that. They they I, they got some big prospects coming in. One thing I'm digging a little bit closer, and we can transition to another guy. Um, does it concern you that once the season kicks off, he'll be 24, or do you prefer your lineman to be a little bit more of a veteran type? It, it all depends on injury history. If he's got yeah. a, a clean medical, then mm-hmm. 24 is fine. You can get two contracts out of that. You, you can that that's not an issue as long as he can play, and yeah. it's it'd be different if he was Brandon Whedon who was 138 when he got drafted at quarterback, <laughs> or Chris Winkie who I'm still convinced is Keith Richards in disguise, and may <laughs> actually be a zombie. Those guys are different, but 24 is not bad. Uh, remember, a lot of people were talking about Brady Christensen uh, coming to Green Bay during a lot of mock drafts, and he's 24. On uh, the mm-hmm. uh, older older prospects on the line don't bother me as much because we've seen more and more recently linemen have been lasting longer than you'd think i mean andrew whitworth's yeah. 53 and he's still going like there's mm-hmm. there, there's guys who can play a long time on the line as long as they keep their keep especially their lower body healthy and newman seems to have yeah. done that and he seems mm-hmm. 
He's got a good frame. They talked about maybe bulking him up a little bit during the press conference afterwards because he is kind of lean at 6'5". But if you keep him at tackle, you probably want him about where he is. I don't mind him being a little bit on the older side because if you go and you take a look, he like he only was a starter for two years. So I don't so I don't mind the whole the age thing as much because while he may be a little long in the tooth, he hasn't played nearly as long as a lot of guys that are his age. So like he's coming out as redshirt senior, but he's also not nearly as he's not nearly as old as a lot of guys or he's he doesn't have as many miles on the tires as a lot of guys coming out at his age. All right, so let's jump. I agree with you guys. So let's jump into round number five. We'll go to pick 173. And I know a lot of fans were a little happy with this one. TJ Mm -hmm. Slayton. Big guy. Florida. Just big. Run stop. Just thick. Just not not exactly uh, Presley Harvin, the punter for Pittsburgh, but still thick for a defensive lineman. Definitely. Um, I I love the pick. I've been waiting for that. I mean, they've drafted a couple guys, and they've made comparisons um, locally. I know, Mike, you were listening a little bit, um, uh, the boys, Marcus and the boys, and Bill and Rookie, but you know, they were com- comparing and contrasting him to Montrevious Adams. I don't really want to put him in that box, but I think Slayton overall is just a big body. Um, that's that's what they've been lacking for years. I've been wanting that for a long time. I said this going into the draft. I'm like, instead of paying Snacks Harrison, instead of paying Danny Shell, instead of paying some guy, maybe the veteran, whatever, draft the guy in third day. Um, and they ended up doing that. And really good pedigree from him. He actually played right tackle in uh, in high school. It was on an incredible high school team with Patrick Sertain Jr. Um, his Patrick Sertain's dad was actually the coach. So, like, he's played damn good football for years um, down in Florida. And I think he could come in and contribute right away. And, I, and I, I'm hoping he can contribute right away because the rotational guys are, are great and all you need those. But we need someone that's actually a stability next to Kenny Clark. And I'm really, really hoping Slayton can do that. Um, one other thing to point out, too, I think he measured in at about 330, 340. Um, one of the beat reporters asked him where he would um, see himself weight-wise, which I thought was a damn good question. Um, he said 320 he would try to get to. Now, um, when he gets in the locker room and in the rookie camp and stuff, and we'll see what the, the, the defensive coordinator, um, Joe Barry, wants him to do, but it, it's not as impressive anymore, someone that was pushing 340, if we're going to get him down to 320. But if it helps with his uh, lateral movement and whatnot, I like the pick. Um, Slayton's a guy that I'm really going to really be hoping for because, frankly, everyone else in the defensive line has not impressed me besides uh, Kenny Clark. Yeah, well, when I well, made my guys, eight, he was 358. Oh, I mean, oh, that's boy. that's incredible. He's a, he's he, a hoss. That's a big boy. You guys know how much I love mock draftable. Um, so I went ahead and did a quick search on little TJ Slayton here. His Two of his top five comps are former Packers, actually. Number one most like athletic comp is Kyrie Thornton. Uh, 78.3% athletic comp, and then the fifth one is Mike is Mike Pennell. Yep, yep. So that so he is uh, he's got Packer genes in him in terms of uh, his athleticism and his build uh, at his size. When I saw the pick, I like I didn't necessarily know the name, and I went and I looked. And I was like, okay, 340. All right, nose tackle. And then I'm like, we talked last week on the pod. We wanted Tyler Shelvin because he's just a big dude yep. that's a true nose tackle. And some people are saying, oh, he doesn't really have the uh, – he's not really the, the pass-rushing type defensive tackle. It's like, cool, that's not what I wanted to do. I wanted to go sit on the nose and just be in the way of everybody else. So, yeah, no, I, I like the Slayton pick as long as – I agree. I don't really want him to come down to 320. I'd rather him just play as a true nose and – free up Kenny Clark to play as a almost like three like a three four defensive end type and just let him do that I don't really want him to get too much thinner if that's what Barry wants him to do sure go for it but that's 
but if he's a traditional nose, I like getting him, especially in the fifth round. Yeah, I'm with you. I, I want him to stay at about 335. Even 330, I think, is good. You're not going to ask him to pass rush. You're not going to ask him to try and go lateral, move side to side. You'll tell him, go over the center, hold him there, and push him backwards. You go straight lines. And I think he's very good at that. I, I liked what I saw, a lot of his stuff at Florida. Only a senior. Got pretty good grades. I know Andrew Murtag was pretty high on him. I had him at 128 on his big board for game on. That that's that I like that. The, the, for a fifth round pick, I am very proud of that. I think he's going to come in and he's going to get playing time right away. That's a really solid move. Five picks later, they went back to defense at 178 and they took the only non-power three conference player, and that's Shamar Jean Charles, quarterback out of Appalachian State. Productive player. I know not the biggest RAS guy, but he made plays. And he was he was a good player for them. 5'11", 180. And I really liked hearing what they, Aqib Tlaib said about Eric Stokes when he did his analysis for Bleacher Report. If the ball finds you in college, it's going to find you in the NFL. And the ball found Shamar Jean Charles at Appalachian State. And I think if they're special teams, whether it's in the slot in a couple years after he learned under Shannon Sullivan for a season... I think this is a very safe pick and a very good pick for getting a good football player from a small school. I agree. And I, when this pick came off the board, Gage, were you someone that was on Gene Charles, or am I just making that up? Or was a different App State guy you were liking? Or I, I thought this was maybe your you're, dude. You're just making that up? That's not me. Dang I'm not it. even, even going to try and claim that I'm smart and I picked a guy that Green Bay drafted. Unfortunately, that's not me. If I was on him, if I, like I was on somebody else, I don't know who it was. I've slept since then, but yeah, I can. Unfortunately, I cannot lay claim to this being one of the guys I was in on. Sorry. Mm-hmm. No, that's hey, I, re- I respect your uh, respect you denying that. But I, this is a guy that you know he's going to be a piece in that secondary. Um, the secondary is kind of up in the air. Um, we're not really sure what it's going to look like. You know, second second corner is pretty solidified with Kevin King. Stokes is going to come and compete, which is great. Um, I think this might be a dude, um, Gene Charles, who kind of subs out for Kadar Holman. Um, similar type, smaller school from Toledo. He's from App State. Like, kind of a, a speed dude. Maybe he can play in the nickel, but you don't really know where he's going to end up. I think it's just a good guy to possibly contribute right away. But um, as you mentioned, Mike, um, if the like you said, if he's if he's making plays in college, um, odds are the ball will still find him in the NFL. Um, I look for him to at least be somewhat of an integral piece, whether it's a dime sets or um, wherever he can he can fit in. Because the the secondary, the depth we have is great. Um, we just need some of that you know, that cream to flow to the top. Especially when every single one of them is up after this year on contracts, except for right. Jerry Alexander. So they're going to have to look. But uh, just as we're doing this, I've been checking out his NFL.com prospect profile. As, as we're going mm-hmm. through each player. His NFL comparison, Will Redmond. Redmond was a top 100 Ridiculous. pick. Though. And that, so that tells me, like, is he, is he a little bit more physical like Will? Because, like, I, I like that then. Like, I, is he, yes. can he play in the box? That would be, here's, that would be fantastic. Here's his, here's his overview. Boundary corner who stays in the receiver's business all day long. He's a little undersized to take on the big wideouts, but he's a feisty cover man with good agility and short area quickness, and coverage movement is fairly fluid. That screams to me a little bit more slot. He'll lose some battles due to his size and length, but he's got good route recognition and ball timing to make finishing catches a contested effort. He's not the best in run support, which could be exploited, but he's better in man coverage and capable in zone. He had 27 passes defense his last two seasons, allowed 34% completion rate last year. Two-year starter at App State. They've been a good program for a while. And, then, and again, in round five, 
These are developmental guys. These are guys who you're going to try and take a look at. And 5'10", 184. If he can sit, play special teams, sit for a year under Shannon Sullivan. I, I Again, I really... I, I know there's still a sour taste from 2020, but I really liked what this staff did this year. They addressed play, uh, positions they wanted to, that they needed to. And Gene Charles is another one of those getting another corner to add to this room with everyone coming up after the season. they got to start looking ahead as well. So now moving into round number six. And this is, this is going to be one of the feel-good stories of a long time in Packers lore. At 214, mm-hmm. they took Cole Van Lannen, who was listed here as a guard. He was a left tackle for the Badgers for multiple seasons. A Green Bay native, he li- he actually called him, he's living in Swamico right now, about 15 minutes north. He went to Bayports. Uh, he went. He, he talked about he was still a kid watching them win the Super Bowl in 2010. He played, he played in Lambeau against LSU that year. Uh, he's a guy... Not the greatest athletically, but he's physical, nasty, a good, solid technician. He probably may, won't start many games, but again, another good rotational guy, Lucas Patrick type, lunch pal dude, and and just hearing hearing the story that he he's gonna go from Green Bay to Madison back to Green Bay. There, that's a storybook type of, of situation. And I was talking to my family when I got back from work today, and they compared him. Could he be Mark Tauscher? Guy, insane yeah. guy stays in the entire his entire career in Wisconsin. I'm so pumped for Cole. Like honestly, like living in Green Bay, I try to follow local uh, sports as much as possible, especially football, because there's always kids coming out of here. Um, and Cole was one that kind of after Alec Ingold left, he was kind of the next dude that came out of Bear, Bayport that was highly touted. Um, he was just a stud, like, and you knew he was going to go on. And when he signed with the Badgers, I'm like, okay, that's awesome for him. He's going to have a great opportunity there. Played on, you know, the incredible pedigree that is the Wisconsin Badgers offensive line fraternity. Um, but the fact that he's able to stay in state and come and basically live out his childhood dream and come, I mean, play at a, a historic stadium that's 15 minutes from his house is just, it's unbelievable. Um, I feel so happy for him and just like, Everyone in the community, it's going to be awesome. There will definitely be some hit pieces on him, and um, he'll probably let you know any reporter get access to him and just talk about the small-town kid out of Green Bay or Swamico to be able to play for the Packers. So, um, again, like we mentioned before, uh, to beat the dead horse even more on the Kentucky Derby Day, um, he is a versatile lineman, um, and that is exactly what the Packers need and want. And whether he plays guard, whether he plays tackle, I don't really care. One way or another, they're addressing the fact that we're probably going to need someone to step in at tackle with Bakhtiari banged up um, or the trickle-down effect if they need to step in at guard or right tackle that someone can move over. But um, I'm pumped for Cole. It's awesome, and I cannot wait to see what jersey he gets because I guarantee there will be a ton of those in Brown County. Uh, for for what it's worth, uh, I, I saw some similar reports in terms of he's limited athletically. But mm-hmm. I mean, among offensive tackles on in the mock draftable database, his he's got a percentile or or better of like 65th percentile or better in 10 yard split, 20 yard split, 40 yard dash, vert jump, broad jump, three cone, and 20 yard shuttle. He's 65th percentile or better in all of those, and that's among tackles. Among and among offensive linemen, 67th percentile or better in all of those categories as well. So while there may be some knock, some knocks on him in terms of like some people say he's limited athletically. I mean, he tested he tested really damn well. So I don't know what you're necessarily wanting from an athleticism standpoint. I like him, and like I said at the very top of the show, 
Offensive linemen, you can never have too many of them. I don't care what anybody says. You can never have too many offensive linemen. You can never have too many pass rushers. And then in the modern NFL, you can never have too many wide receivers or corners. Van Lannon, even if he doesn't start from day one or start ever, he seems like he's going to be a versatile offensive lineman that can contribute for a long time. He's J.C. Treader is his third like most similar athletic comp at a 76%. Because, and Van Lanen seems like he can he could run block. Obviously, when you play for Wisconsin, you have to know how to run block. He needs to maybe be a little bit better and like get a little bit better in pass protection. But in this offensive lineman offensive line room, he doesn't have to be ready to play from day one. He has time to develop and to get ready up to speed at the NFL level. So that's and especially if he's going to come into a room that's got. Like you have Josh Myers in front of him, you have Elton Jenkins, you have Lucas Patrick and John Runyon Jr., who I thought were good, if not starters last year, like good starters last year, they were good rotation level linemen. He's coming in, he's got experience in college, he's coming into an experienced interior offensive lineman, offensive line room. So I'm a fan of the pick. Uh, another guy that's just going to come in and can, like you said, Mike, he's a lunch pail guy. He's going to come in, do his job, go home. Even if he's never the best player at the position, he'll always be a solid player. And if you're getting just solid production in the sixth round, you can't ask for anything more than that. For sure. And you, and you talked about the J.C. Treader stuff. I, I, I thought also about Ricky Wagner. Multi-year mm-hmm. left tackle for the Badgers, comes in, plays the right side, good run blocker. Didn't, people didn't think he'd be able to hold up in the pass game in the NFL. He crept out a really nice career. Van Lannon. People are saying he's undersized. He's 6'4", 305 with almost 34-inch arms. Right. That's a one thing too with the guy. with the when you look at the RAS, you can switch it. So at tackle, he's an 8.49, but when you switch it to guard, he is a 9.45. And then obviously when he goes to guard, he increases because the height, weight, and bench don't factor in as much as he does at tackle. So, um, but like like Gage said. Everything else, the measurable or the, you know, anything lateral movement, anything distance, 20 split, 10 split, shuttle, three cone, all phenomenal. So um, I'm excited to see him and love lunch pill guys. Big fan of those. For sure. And man, like you said, it's going to be it's such it's, it's, the story is always going to be a big thing. And he in mm-hmm. every question he was asked during his press conference on the Zoom call after he got picked was, what was your favorite player growing up? What was your biggest memory at Lambeau? What was it like? Going to Bayport, all the all that kind of stuff, which is always a cool thing, and then also the story of when he got the phone call is always a really funny story. Where he said he was with his family and some close friends up in Swamico, and he got the phone call and it said suspected spam, and it was a Green Bay n- uh, number. He answered it and it was Matt Lafleur saying, "Do you want to be a Packer?" <laughs> and it, it that's just everyone was great. So and then he said they're going to go out and, and party tonight. So good for Cole and. Another offensive lineman. That's six offensive linemen in two seasons. I think there's a trend going forward for the Packers. Six picks later, they made another pick. They made their final defensive pick of the of the nine picks. And really, only four of the nine were on defense. And this is Isaiah McDuffie, linebacker from Boston College. Super productive player. Uh, not the biggest guy, but... He he racked up tackles like crazy from the inside for the Eagles, and I know AJ Dillon was hyped with this pick. Former teammate of his, again six round pick, get him out there on special teams, six one two twenty four. Let him just go and hit things, and I mean they've picked Desmond Bishop late in the sixth round, I think as well. So I mean mm-hmm. I think this is a, a good pick again, another productive college linebacker. If he can wrap up and bring guys down, 
they'll find a spot for him. I mean, it's it's a linebacker pick that is just it's not sexy to me. And like that's I've been waiting for that for years. I wanted this you know really hybrid inside linebacker, and I just don't think that the Packers are, are about that. Um, obviously, like you said, productive. Uh, he's gonna be a sure tackler, I think. Uh, some com- comparables, I think a Desmond Mission comp- comparison's good. I know Gage has a couple he looked up to that are you know again no one that's flashy or sexy, but they're gonna be someone that's gonna fill the hole. Um, and maybe they already have that guy on the roster. Who knows what Martin or Barnes will be up to? But uh, overall, I think it's a, another solid pick. Can contribute um, in that locker room right away. Potential on special teams as well. Um, but you know, you look at him, and I, I think he's uh, he's got some definitely room to grow. Um, but um, he was definitely successful and productive at Boston College. Yeah, he was a productive player. And like I said at the very top of the show here, he's the the hybrid guy that you're hoping develops into a coverage guy. He's what you mm-hmm. are like what you hoped Oren Burks was gonna be. And Oren Burks just hasn't been able to be so far. At worst, I think he could be a special teams player. At best, he could be a coverage linebacker. I don't think he's ever going to be a, like th- like a run run stuff or a thumper type. But I think again in round six, you're taking you're throwing darts and throwing a dart at a guy who was a solid athlete and had a 76 percent top 40 yard dash. He's got 227 pounds, so he's not like he's not as light as a guy say Jeremiah Uskoromoa out of Notre Dame who went to Cleveland. But I think he's a very solid player that I think he's got a high floor in terms of just he can come in and play special teams from day one. And you always need special teams players because it's just it's just the way of the world. So if he can bring in some blitzing, use his athleticism, maybe he can be into the linebacker rotation for Green Bay. But at a worst case scenario, he's at least going to play a special teams for you. So in the sixth round, you can't nitpick too much. For sure. Uh, Redshirt Jr. played essentially two seasons as a starter at Boston College, and in both those full seasons, he had 85 or more tackles and five and a half more tackles for loss or and more than three sacks in both of those years. Now, when you look at his NFL.com profile from Lanzerline, coach's son, outstanding work ethic on and off the field, toughness and intensity are trademarks, chase and tackle energy. I like that. He, he's going to chase guys down. Uh, really good at recognizing tendencies. Beats running backs to the run lanes, a downhill player, plays with leverage, upper body power is a big thing, and he can, he can work around in a traffic, and, and wasted motion isn't there as well. That, like, that stuff makes me really, really excited. His RAS 7.32, a lot of that had to do with his agility, grades are very low, but 46140, he can run, uh, 263 20-yard split. Uh, 10-foot, 1-inch broad jump, 25 reps on the bench at 220. This, this guy is this guy is seems like to be a bowling ball running downhill and mm-hmm. even even with at 227 that's some power and if he's going to come in if he's going to go in and just hit at the very least that screams that he's going to go in and hurt people on special teams right off the bat he's going to be a punt coverage <laughs> guy he'll be a kick coverage guy and he's if if the rules had been around still as they were 10 years ago he'd be the wedge buster but I, I again six round pick. We talked we we talked about this just just now that you're taking flyers on guys. There's not great expectations on these late round picks. You hope you hit on them, but if you don't, it's no really big loss. And again, McDuff, McDuffie, productive guy, still pretty young. Only played four years of college ball, and I'm sure he's going to get used to Green Bay very quickly with his old teammate in in AJ Dillon. So now we get to one more pick. We'll also talk a little bit about some of the undrafted guys that we're seeing reported. We'll touch on those at the end, but 
And this is the highest rated guy on my board from the six picks on Saturday. That's Kylan Hill, running back Mississippi State, went 256th overall. For Hill, big, strong back, 5'10", 214, 22 reps on the bench, 10'2", broad jump. Again, not the greatest speed, not the greatest agility, but he's going to run you over. And that third running back spot is wide open. It's going to be him, Patrick Taylor, Dexter Williams, Mike Weber. There's going to be guys battling for it. But now Hill's got to have the inside track, and I know his tape is a lot of fun to watch. I So I like Kylan Hill. I think I was extremely excited to, for them to get him. I wasn't sure if they were going to go running back in day three. Um, it seemed like they weren't, and then they got some good value based off of Mike's board. And I think a lot of people thought Hill should have gone better um, you know, a little sooner. I like his physicality quite a bit. Um, he checks a lot of boxes, good in run protection, can catch the ball in the backfield, make guys miss, he can run through guys, a uh, little compact type dude. And um, like you mentioned, Mike, it's super important that they're having another running back, I think, on the roster because um, I might be the biggest hater on Packet Day Podcast of Dexter Williams, and I will continue to carry that torch for us. So um, I, they need someone that can compete at that third spot. Patrick Taylor's a nice piece to have, um, but really when it comes down to it, I think Kylan Hill could be a contributor right away and could be someone that just could be that other gadget piece um, paired with Amari Rogers that who we got uh, selected um, yesterday or I guess Friday. But overall, I'm, I'm excited with it. It was a great way to cap off the um, – three days of selections and it's just a it's a overall uh, if we look back on this entire day uh, or even the all the picks I, i'm very pleased with all the selections um what were your thoughts on uh kylan hill gauge uh, I, I don't mind the kylan hill pick at that stage of the draft there was only so many directions i could see them going and running back was one of them i was with this running back class, it was not the best. There was a couple like good names at the top, and then it kind of fell off really, really hard, and that was evident with how late some of these running backs were going. Like Michael Carter was RB, ended up being RB four, and I'm pretty sure he wasn't taking he would take it till the fourth round even. Uh, some of his athletic comps. Uh, speaking about Colin Hill here, you got J.K. Dobbins, Damian Harris, Kareem Hunt, uh, D.J. Dallas from last year. A lot, so a lot of talented names there alongside him. I like the value at in the seventh round with the 256th pick. I think you can def- you definitely could have done a lot worse there. There was guys at that spot that I might have taken ahead of him, uh, specifically looking at wide receiver with like uh, Josh Demeter, Bebe uh, being undrafted there and just some other guys. But at the same time, I also know that the Green Bay wide receiver room is extremely deep and they didn't necessarily need to focus on that. So they needed to go to a position that they were a little – Let's deep at and running back is one of them. You talked about Dexter Williams. You're not a fan of him. Uh, you have AJ Dillon, and Aaron Jones at the top two. But in case one of those guys were to go down, you need to have a safe, consistent third guy. And Kylan Hill, if it wasn't for uh, Mike Leach coming this past year, I think Kylan Hill would have been picked much higher. He just had a really quiet year. The team lost a lot of games due to COVID and other reasons, and he just didn't get to play nearly as much as he did. He had a thousand year, a thousand yard season in 2019, and then just 2020 just didn't get the work, the touches, and the games to get rolling. So I think Kylan Hill getting him at this pick, especially when if he came out last year or if he had another year like he did last year, would have been picked a lot higher as a really good value at that stage of the draft. Oh man, as soon as you brought up Joshua Mater Baby, I thought of last week and I got sad. He just signed with the Jaguars as well. Yep, I, I'd seen that while you were uh, we were talking earlier. I was looking through some of the undrafted announcements, and he was I saw he was one of them. There was obviously Mark Wilson, which we talked about beforehand. One that we, has been announced, uh, not by one of the main guys, 
is uh, out of uh, ba- Bailey Gaither out of um, San Jose State. Uh, he signed with Green Bay about uh, twenty, about half forty minutes ago or so. He was announced. Uh, that's it was announced by the school. Yeah, the school announced the Bailey Gaither signing. And then uh, what are some of the other ones, Mike? We've we've kind of gone through the day three draft picks. Let's wrap this up with some of those UDFAs. For sure. I'm on a 247 Sports Packer Report. Uh, they, they're keeping track. There's five so far. Bailey Gaither's is the most recent one. A couple of Hawkeyes. And the other four are all Big Ten guys, too. So Coy Cronk, offensive lineman. I think he was at Indiana and then went to Iowa. Uh, offensive lineman. Jack Heflin. That is correct. Yes. Another defensive lineman from Iowa. Maybe another Mike Daniels, who knows? Uh, Michigan defensive lineman Carlo Kemp, definitely a little bit undersized, but a good athlete. And also, but here's the the big one that happened right away is uh, Christian Uphoff, Illinois State safety. And I know there's a lot of talk on him. He was rising a little bit. Now I have him as safety 19, but six two and a half, two thirteen. Sounds like a uh, center fielder who can go downhill. He's in a special teamer right away. Uh, so that there's the big one to keep an eye on is going to be Christian Uphoff. He's going to be the popular pick to make the roster of the undrafted guys, I'm guessing, going into camp. But we've got five so far. Uh, Matt, what do you think? And also now uh, John Dietzen, former Badger offensive lineman, who who's been who was a Badger for, I'm pretty sure, like four different head coaches. He actually had retired for a year and came back and is now going to be suiting up for Green Bay in this training camp. So good for good for John as well. He came back from a lot of debilitating injuries. I think it was back and leg injuries that had him retire for a season before he came back last year and played at guard. Another big physical player. Yeah, no, I, I like the uh, the two D tackles, uh, Jack Heflin from Iowa and Carlo Kemp from Michigan. I think you, know, you, you only drafted one a true defensive lineman in the draft, but you're able to go get these undrafted guys who I think can come in and at least compete um, I'm excited to see what they can do because I think that's I've been I don't know I think uh, many people are saying receiver 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 for the last many years I've been saying get some meat in the trenches on the defensive side of the ball so that that's uh that's you know that's itch my scratch if you will um there I Christian uh up off I'm gonna definitely have to look at he seems like a dude that could be an absolute beast um going back through some tape here that'll be fun tonight kid out of Illinois State but I I think really like undrafted guys are fun because there's always those names that I know you, us three we watch a ton of college football and there's always this guy like hey I remember him in this game or this game or early on in the year and it's always cool to see guys that can make a roster and compete um, and it's it's a pretty good opportunity for the guys to come in and you know, they're not selected maybe 252 and they have to go to a team that maybe is a bad fit they're able to kind of let their, their agent do the work or themselves uh, politic for them and get onto a team so good opportunity for them to come uh, and compete in Green Bay yeah, if you're looking for the uh, the meat and tr- meat and potatoes trenches draft cycle, mm-hmm. this is uh this has been your this has been your draft, it hasn't it? There, uh, Matt, you got absolutely what happened between like the UDFA so far and then the draft picks. We have what probably eight, nine two, linemen or so. Let's see, we got three. one, two, three, four, five. I think like five in the draft. Yep. Plus another two or three in yep. UDFA. So yeah, like seven or eight. Love it. It's a it's been a great draft cycle for you, and I agree with you. You can, like I said at the beginning, you can never have too many offensive linemen. You can never have too many defensive linemen, pass rushers, because these guys are, if they get banged up, you need to have, like on defensive line, you need to have guys that can constantly come in to keep everybody fresh. On the offensive side of the ball, if anybody gets banged up, you need to have somebody be able to slide in and start, because you're not going to always have the Tampa Bay Buccaneers luck for health. I talked about that, or I looked at this recently where. 
the Bucks, I think, had three total players from their day one starting roster who didn't who weren't active for the Super Bowl. Wow. And one of those was their kicker. It was like three or four. <laughs> and one was the kicker. It was just it was wild. The amount of injury luck they had last year. No one's ever going to have that. You're just it's not going to happen. So that's why depth is so important, especially in the trenches. And Green Bay has addressed that on both sides of the ball here. I like getting trench players. I like getting like you you got you address positions in need. You got multiple corners. You have a slot receiver type in Amari Rodgers, who he can do inside outside stuff, but he's primarily a slot guy. You have Josh Myers, who I think can come in and take the spot of Corey Lindsley from day one. Mm-hmm. If he can just work on his leverage, I think he can start from day one at center. And while it sucks to lose Corey Lindsley, who is an all pro, one of the best centers in football. Josh Myers is a pretty good replacement candidate uh, coming in right away. For, for sure, and, and this is this has been a lot of fun to talk about, and we'll keep and keep updated here on the Packet Eight Podcast for updates throughout the next few days on who's going to get brought in. Uh, they'll be do, we'll be doing deep dives starting really tomorrow. They're going to be doing deep dives on the UDFAs, or starting next week they're going to be doing the Jeffrey Cup. Then uh, Tuesday will be the starting of the deep dives of all the picks. Gage will be will be being joined by Eli next week for the sixth and seventh round picks. So Van Lannan, McDuffie, and Hill will be breaking down. We'll be taking deep dives on them. Uh, Matt looks like you're going to be going back with Dan and Janelle in a couple of weeks, jumping right back into your regular regular rotations here on the Packaday Podcast. Everyone, thank you for joining us. Uh, Gage, I'll go to you first and. Now that the draft is done and things are winding up, what are you working on? Um, you, well, you can find me on Twitter, as always, at GBridge for the NFL. I don't have anything specifically that I'm working on in terms of, like, at this moment, I'm like, huh, i got to work on this thing. But I know that uh, I'm working on signing up for some things for Rotoballer and uh, Dynasty Nerds. I just saw my editor send a message across my desk about something, uh, some stuff to work on over the next couple of days. So I'm sure that over the next couple of weeks, I'll be pr- putting out a lot of content, content. And as I always say, it's all on my Twitter. It's just easier to find it all there than to tell you guys to, to get links to all of my different sites. So, But uh, I'm sure I'll have draft coverage and fantasy aspect of stuff as well as just the general NFL aspect of things. And what about you, Matt? Uh, right now, it's it's awesome. We can put a little cap, if you will, on the draft, kind of pivot our uh, focus into the offseason. And, you know, there's not much to talk about after the draft now. There's nothing really going on in Green Bay that's too notable with the franchise. So hopefully something something pops up along the way here. Um, but you can find me still on Twitter at Matt underscore Frey underscore. That's at M-A-T-T underscore F-R-A underscore. Uh, check out all the content we're putting out, Pack-A-Day podcast. Everyone's doing an excellent job. Uh, check out Game on Wisconsin. We've got a ton of stuff brewing there that'll be incredible as we uh, prepare for the uh, start of the season. What are we? We're going to be about 11 days out from the the schedule coming out as well, so that'll be pumped. Got to figure out which games I'm going to get to, and hopefully some people can make it in town this year. Um, fingers crossed. But other than that, it's just it's just like I said, it's a feather in our cap. It's just one of those benchmarks in the off season, and we just go to the next and go to the next and just try to get this roster as polished as possible and make sure there's pieces in place that can uh, make this team uh, phenomenal. What what about you, Mike? What do you got going on, buddy? Uh, you, you can find me on Twitter at Mike Wendland. It is all one word, uh, W-E-N-D-L-A-N-D-T. You can find my broadcasting work uh, at ZaleskiSports.com. I did 
have been doing a lot of baseball and softball starting this week, uh, high school football wrapping up this weird spring season, which uh, gave me a great opportunity yesterday to talk to Ryan Ramchek, which is always kind of cool to talk to an NFL player. And he's a very, very large human being. But you can just find me there. Uh, my DMs are always open if you ever want to talk about anything, whether it's sports, movies, life, whatever. I will always, I'm always available. And if I see it, I answer it without, without fail. On uh, any girls, find us at Packaday Podcast on Twitter, wherever your podcast platforms can be found, whether it's Spotify, SoundCloud, Google Play, Stitcher, iTunes, we'll be there. And check out tomorrow as they take a look at some of the UDFAs and break down the draft recap with looks like Andy and Ben will be doing that. So everyone, thank you for joining us. Uh, thank you for sticking with us throughout all of these three days of the draft. Uh, nine players coming to Green Bay as draft picks. Another six so far confirmed as undrafted free agents. It's going to be a lot of fun looking forward to summer to see who's going to be wearing the green and gold this fall. So for all of us, for Gage Bridgeford and Matt Fralick, this is Mike Wendland saying so long, everybody. Thanks for joining us. Everyone stay warm, stay safe, always carry the G, and go Pack Go.